Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, June the 13th, 2019. It is currently 6.35 p.m. Central Time. Well, today has been one of those days where nothing, and I mean nothing, has gone according to plan. I had a plan for today, like I have for every day. I had a schedule. I had things I wanted to accomplish, and nothing worked out the way I planned it. Let me explain. My plan was simple. Wake up this morning, grab the iPad, hit record, and record another message on John chapter 10, verse 10. Another message to, to turn everyone's attention to John 10, 10, which has kind of been the focus all of this week. And we'll get to that here maybe in a few minutes, if we can, if everything goes according to plan. But that was the plan this morning. Record on John chapter 10, verse 10. And right in the middle of that recording, it got interrupted. And that interruption required me to leave the house. So I had to leave the house. So I left the house. And when I returned home, I'm like, okay, pick up the iPad. Let's hit record. Let's record that message again on John chapter 10, verse 10. We can get this done. We can, we can still make this day work. And right as I picked up the iPad, I started getting news notifications. And I looked down at the news notifications and I'm like, wait a minute, what does that say? And the news notification read something like this. Pastor preaches sermon calling for the execution of LGBTQ people. So I had to read that again. Wait, pastor? Wait, oh, this pastor is also a police detective or a detective, a sheriff detective, some kind of police or law enforcement um, officer. He is also a pastor and he's calling for the execution of LGBTQ people. And I'm like, wait, what is going on? Now, when you read a headline that, like that, you know what you have to do. You know you have to set aside your plan, and you've got to start trying to figure out what was going on and try to address it as soon as possible. Because you watch, I guarantee you, 24 hours from now, 48 hours from now, 72 hours from now, maybe even next week, there will be some uh, Christian uh, you know, podcasts that will address that sermon. So I wanted to address it when the story started making its way across the internet. So I tracked down the sermon, tracked down the church website, got the information. One of my friends in Nebraska, he helped rip the uh, audio from the video. Then I was able to, uh, he sent that to me. Took forever to download that to the computer. I don't know what was going on. Finally, I was able to record an introduction about 30 minutes long, upload that sermon, and then post it all over the place. I posted it, and then literally, I mean, minutes. I mean, people didn't even have a chance to listen to the entire sermon. I started getting emails and phone calls, right? Wait, what are you doing? Wait, did you preach that sermon? I'm like, can you go listen? <laughs> go listen. No, I'm just placing the sermon out there so we know exactly what was said. And if you listen to my introductory comments, you can clearly tell that I would not agree with what this pastor was saying. But I wanted the pastor's words to be on record. Not what people were telling us, he said, but his own words. So the sermon is on there. It's posted all over the place. Uh, you can find it on the VBC 66 app, the VBC 66 app. Look for um, sermon uh, calling for the execution of LGBTQ people with a question mark, I think is how I posted it. You can go look. I'm not going to look it up right now, but you can find it. If you can't find it, email me at newsif at yahoo.com and I'll send you the link to the sermon, newsif at yahoo.com. So that messed up the whole day. That really messed up the whole day. 
So here we are, Thursday evening. I've got to try to, I got to try to fix my schedule. My schedule's all messed up, all right? But I know there's one thing I need to do. I need to get us back to John chapter 10, verse 10, because we still got some things to discuss. We still got some things to figure out. Now, if you have not been following along, and even if you have, let me explain. On Monday, it was around 2 a.m., 3 a.m., Monday morning, I was listening to Family Radio, and Family Radio announced the Family Radio uh, Scripture of the Week, which was John chapter 10, verse 10. They read it, and I was like, whoa. There was a certain part of John 10, 10 that really hit me, and I started thinking about it. So, later on that morning, I don't know, 7, 8 a.m., I picked up the iPad, and I decided to record a message where I asked everyone two questions about John 10, 10, and we've been focusing on one of those questions all week. Now, I've also posted additional sermons on John 10.10 on the VBC 66 app in the Sermon and Bible Study Notes section. I will be posting an article about the first question as well. And now this evening, I'm going to try to move us to the second question about John 10.10. All right? So let's do this. Let me pull up the passage itself. John 10.10. Let me pull it up. Here it is. John 10.10. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version of the Bible, John chapter 10, verse 10. I'm going to read it first without any commentary, then I'll go back, explain at least what's going on, and then give everyone the two questions, and then we'll focus on the second question, hopefully in a very short, I don't want to take up too much of your time, all right? John chapter 10, verse 10. I know every time I say that, you laugh. I get it. I talk too much, but I always want to make sure that I'm as thorough as possible. So I, I probably should just say that I'm, I'm not going to, it's not going to be short, but I will do my best. John 10, 10. Here we go. The scripture reads like this. John 10, 10. Here's how it reads. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let me read it one more time. John 10, 10. Now, the whole reason for uh, uh, Family Radio picking this as the scripture of the week is for by the end of the week, everyone would have it memorized. One of the reasons I focused on it all this week is because I think there's some interesting questions, but also to try to help you memorize it. So John 10, 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Stop right here. What is going on in this text? Well, Jesus is speaking. And anyone who can read can determine what he's doing in John 10.10. 10. He's drawing a contrast, right? You have the thief. And Jesus describes the thief as someone who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus, speaking of himself in John 10.10, 10, he's He's contrasting the thief with himself. And he says, that's what the thief comes to do, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, speaking of himself, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to not only just give life, but to give it more abundantly. There is a contrast. Now, what are the two questions? Well, question number one is obvious. Who is the thief? 
Who is the thief? Now, the reason I ask that question is because sermon after sermon, uh, Christian book after Christian book, Christian devotional after Christian devotional, will refer to John 10.10 and state the thief is Satan. That Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've heard pastors say that over and over and over. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And they and if it's in a Christian book or a devotional, they will put there, you know, see John 10:10, 10, 10, implying that John 10:10 10, 10 is contrasting Satan with Jesus. Satan comes to ki- to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life and life more abundantly. Now, even if you believe Satan does steal, kill, and destroy, that's not the issue. The issue is, is that, is the thief identified as Satan in the context of John chapter 10? Now, what some people do is they look up, oh, thief, steal, kill, destroy, go to other passages of scripture that may speak of Satan and refer to him something as a thief or someone who kills, someone who destroys, and and then take that cross-reference and import it back into John 10.10 and place that as the uh, interpretation of John 10.10. But that's not the way you do cross-referencing, okay? You don't just randomly take other passages and other places of the Bible that use a similar terminology and then import it back. You have to know how to do a cross-reference correctly, all right? The first thing you have to do is establish the context of John 10.10, which is what we worked on. So let me remind you, to understand John 10, 10, you have to go back to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who was born blind, All right? So he is born blind. There's, that leads to a theological dispute, a theological debate. There's, there's questions about the truthfulness of his claim that he was healed, that he was born blind. And there's a lots of disagreements and back and forth. Okay, so you can read all of John 9 and you will see this. Jesus heals this man born blind, and it raises all kinds of questions. There's theological questions. There's questions of of truthfulness, of identity. The the parents get brought involved. Everyone gets involved in the entire situation. Now, at some point in the narrative of John 9, the Pharisees step in, the religious leaders. And the religious leaders, instead of celebrating that this man who was born blind can now see, they're more concerned with, wait a minute, uh, let's talk about this Jesus who supposedly healed you. Let's, Let's use your healing as a way to entrap Jesus and accuse him of committing a sin, that he is a sinner. Let's find a way to use this to condemn Jesus, to, to prove that Jesus is guilty. They weren't really interested in the fact that the man who was born blind could now see. They weren't interested in that. Also, in in John chapter 9, the man who was born blind, he realizes who Jesus is. He understands he's he's the Christ, he's the Son of God, etc. And he worships Jesus. So this man who was born blind physically not only receives physical sight, he receives spiritual sight, he receives salvation. But the Pharisees, they don't care about his physical healing. They don't care anything about a spiritual healing. They want this man to say the right words so that they can condemn Jesus. And when this man doesn't cooperate, when this man doesn't do what they want him to do, 
They basically kick him out. They basically remove him. They're basically throwing him out, trying to separate him from the synagogue and from the ability to worship because he's, they believe he's a sinner and that he's you know, a liar and that he's siding with a man they believe is a Sabbath breaker, blasphemer, etc., etc. So the Pharisees don't care about the man's healing. They just want to trap Jesus. Well, at the end of John 9, Jesus begins to respond to them. And that carries over into John chapter 10. And if you'll look at the pronouns in John chapter 10, guess what we see? John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Who is the you? If you go back to the end of John chapter 9, it would have to be the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He begins to speak to them. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. All right, he's talking about, he's talking, he's talking to them about someone who, who doesn't enter through the door, tries to come in some other way. Uh, verse 2, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the portereth openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow them, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, the Pharisees, but they understood not what things not what things that were which he spake unto them. Verse 7, then said Jesus unto them. This is referring to the Pharisees, to the spiritual leaders of that day. The spiritual leaders of that day were basically false spiritual leaders, false teacher, teachers. And as a result, he identifies them as the thieves that come to steal, kill, and destroy with their false teaching, binding people in their sin, binding people under the law that they cannot fulfill, ultimately destroying them, stealing from them, hurting them. That's the context. The context is not to throw Satan in John 10, 10, because Jesus hasn't been speaking about Satan anywhere in John chapter 9. He hasn't spoken of Satan anywhere in John chapter 10. The false religious leaders. That is what's going on. So that is question number one. Who is the thief? And that is the answer. But that brings us to the second question. All right? The second question is abundant life. Let me go back to John 10, 10 and read it again. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. There's question number one. Who is the thief? It's the religious leaders, false teachers, false religious leaders. They kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus, he brings life and life more abundantly. Now, what does Jesus mean by abundant life? What is abundant life? What is he referring to? Now, here's some of the thoughts. When the text promises us that Jesus promises or will give abundant life, he came to give life and life more abundantly, is he simply referring to abundant life as far as eternal life? That which you and I will experience when we enter into heaven with a new body, no more pain, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more death. Is he simply referring to the quantity of eternal life? It will be eternal. And the quality, it will be eternal life. 
versus eternal death, eternal punishment? Is he simply referring to something he came to give us a abundant life as far as the quantity and quality of our eternity? Doesn't really have much to do with your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, June the 13th, today. It doesn't have anything to do with today. It doesn't have anything to do with tomorrow. It has something when you enter into the presence of God after your death or if Christ returns. Is that what abundant life is referring to? Or does it have something to do with the here and now? What does it mean? And once we figure out what it means, are you truly experiencing life and life more abundantly right now? Can you honestly say you are experiencing it? And if you're not, why not? Now, this is just as an important question as trying to identify the thief, right? Because if we get the thief wrong, we misunderstand John 10, 10, right? And if we don't get life and life more abundantly right, then we misinterpret John 10, 10, and then we walk away completely confused, and we can't apply these, this passage correctly to our life. So this is key. So we've got to figure this out. So we did a little, I did a little work. John chapter 10, verse 10. Well, this word for abundantly, it came to give us life and life more abundantly. The Greek word, let me, if we use the transliteration, let me spell it out for you. P-E-R-I-S-S-O-S. P-E-R-I-S-S-O-S. Parissos, I think is how you say it. Parissos. If I'm not saying that correct, I apologize. Parissos. I know, I actually, I know it's not absolutely correct way of saying it, but you get the idea. It's spelled P-E-R-I-S-S-O-S. -S -S. Let me spell that again. P-E-R-I-S-S-O-S. Parissos. Parissos. Now, that's the Greek word. And you're like, wonderful, great. You gave me, you, you gave me a Greek word. You didn't even say it right. Wonderful. Okay, well, well, this is the beginning of trying to figure out what this life and life more abundantly is talking about. We're, we got to start with the word, right? We got to start with the definition of a word before we can even try to figure this out. It appears this Greek word is used 10 times in the King James. It's translated a number of different ways. It's translated more, beyond measure, more abundantly, advantage, superfluous, very highly, exceeding abundantly, above, exceedingly abundantly above, exceeding. All right? So it, 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 it doesn't give us a great idea. It's just something, it, it's something more. Like life and now something that's beyond measure, something that is exceedingly abundantly above, something that's exceeding. That's why the text says he came to give us life and life more abundantly. It's a more it's a life that exceeds. It goes beyond just living. It goes beyond just life. But it still doesn't tell us is if, if it's talking about something in eternity or something about now. That just the, the way it's used doesn't really help. Let me just read some different ways it's used or, or some uh, kind of some definitions. Exceeding some number or measure or rank or need. Over and above, more than is necessary, super added, exceeding abundantly, supremely, something further, more, much more, much more than all, 
superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, preeminent, superiority, advantage, more eminent, more remarkable, more excellent. This life, and life more abundantly, this life that Jesus offers, this life that Jesus gives, far exceeds any other kind of life. It's superior. It's preeminent. It exceeds. It's more remarkable. It's more excellent. It is surpassing. It's extraordinary. It's superior. All right, it's definitely referring to quality. I don't think the, I don't think we can even. I think I think the the definition here means it's definitely referring to a quality of life. So what does it mean? Well, let me read to you from a a commentary. I just picked one. All right, and 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 I think that this is important for us to at least consider. And make sure, you know, again, this is just one commentary, but I just want to give us going in a certain direction of thought. And then I'm going to lay a lot of this, I'm going to place a lot of this before you. And then you can, you can tell me what you discover, right? Because it's kind of the goal here. The goal is I kind of give you the framework. I kind of help you. And then I try to get you involved. I don't like you passive listeners. I like active learners, active students. I want students don't want people just to listen to me. Oh, I appreciate the listening. Trust me. Every time I get a, a download or a stream, I'm happy. But I want that to lead to something more than just, you know, listening for, you know, a few minutes and going on. I want you involved with the scriptures. Here's one commentary. Might have it more abundantly. Literally, that they might have abundance or that which abounds. The word denotes that which is not absolutely essential to life, but which is super added to make life happy. They shall not merely have life, simple, bare existence, but they shall have all those super added things which are needful to make that life eminently blessed and happy. It would be vast it would be vast mercy to keep men merely from annihilation or hell, but Jesus will give them eternal joy, peace, the society of the blessed, and all those exalted means of felicity which are, which are prepared for them in the world, world of glory. All right. Now, this seems to possibly hint, now that's the end of that, that uh, commentary, and I looked at a number, and, and a lot of times with commentaries and with preachers, we're real, sometimes preachers are really bad with, with saying a lot of words about a concept, and they use lofty language. They may be great communicators. They may communicate to your emotions so that you feel something, but it's all shadow over substance. When it's all said and done, you're like, well, wait, what does that actually mean? Wait, 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 okay, oh man, that sounded good and you got me excited, but after I got to the car and started thinking about it, oh, ooh, he gave me life and life more abundantly and it's just a great life and it exceeds everything and it's amazing. Yes, amen, amen, I've got that life. Okay, what, wait, okay, now let's talk about it. Do you? Are you sure? Now there's a part of that commentary that almost places it that, hey, when Jesus came to save us, he came not just to get, say, "Hey, you get uh, you know you get to escape hell and you get to be in heaven and uh, 
you know, it's just going to be bare existence in heaven. Know that when Jesus came to that our eternity, we'd be filled with joy. We'll be filled with peace. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more death. He didn't just come to give us a, a eternal life. He came to give us an abundant eternal life. There's a part of that that seems to place it that our eternity will be filled with glory and joy and peace and wonderful. But... The commentary also seemed to imply that this life that he gives us also seems to impact the here and now. That if I'm a Christian, I have a quality of life that far exceeds other people who are just existing. That the implication is that if you're not a Christian, you're just existing, right? But if I'm a Christian, that God has given me a life and a quality of life and everything that flows with it that takes life to a different level, a blessed life, a happy life, a joyful life, a peaceful life, a life that exceeds just existing. Now, see, if I preach it that way, it sounds good, but the key is, wait, are we sure? Are we truly experiencing that? I could not help but find a, well, I couldn't help but being led to a cross-reference that the text doesn't necessarily call for, but it kind of calls for it. Let me go back to John 10.10 10 and try to explain. If you look at John 10.10, 10, there's, there's some uh, analogy being used here. Look at what's going on. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. You got shepherd, you got sheep. To him, uh, to him the poorth openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. You got sheep again. He calleth his own sheep by name. You have sheep mentioned again. Verse four. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, you got him mentioned again. He goeth before them and the sheep, I think that's five times already, um, they know his voice. Verse six. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they not know the voice of a stranger. This parable Jesus spake unto them. They don't understand it. Verse seven. Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I think that's six times. Then Jesus said unto them, uh, then uh, at verse eight, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep, I think that's seven or eight now. Um, verse nine, I am the door, but me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So you've got this idea of a shepherd, you've got this idea of the door, you've got this idea of sheep, you've got this idea of pasture. You've got a very strong imagery being developed. Then Jesus draws the contrast. These are the people who would kill, steal, and destroy. They don't care. But I'm the one who came to give the sheep life, right? Abundant life. And I don't know about you, but when I start hearing that, I'm immediately drawn to this passage. See if it sounds familiar. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
Thou anointest my head and my with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that's Psalm 23. Psalm 23, in my mind, is describing a quant a quality of life of the sheep with the right shepherd. Christ being the right shepherd, right? We are his sheep. He, there's a promise of blessings that seem to imply that our life now will experience some of this, not just eternity, but now. And look at what it's referring to. I mean, let's just go through some of these. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's contentment. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Provision. Right? He leadeth me beside still waters. Most people say that's peace. He restoreth my soul. Salvation, forgiveness, restoration. He leadeth me by paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Leading me, a, a leaving, a li, leading a, 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 following a righteous path. He's going to lead me on a righteous path. That's going to be a, a change in, uh, in direction and morality. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff that comfort me. It's a, it's a uh, taking away fear, assurance, comfort. Uh, rod and staff is guidance, direction, maybe even a little chastisement thrown in there. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of thine enemies. That even before, I may have enemies, but he's going to prepare a table be, before me. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now we can take each one of those phrases apart, but you get the overall idea. If the Lord is my shepherd, that's life more abundant. And it fits the language of John 10.10. 10. I'm not saying it's a direct cross-reference, but it definitely there's a correlation there. So let me ask you this question. Can you honestly say your life looks, looks like it's extraordinary? It's above measure. That you're experiencing some kind of life that is uncommon to the average person. You're not just existing, but you're, you're experiencing a life that other people could only hope for, long for, and ask you about. Or do they just see you about as miserable as them, about as discontent as them, about as unhappy as them, about as unfulfilled as them. Why not? Now, we have one obvious possible answer. The Lord is not your shepherd. You're not his sheep. The other possible answer is that we turn our, we walk away at least you know, and I'm not saying a loss of salvation, but we walk away from being close to the shepherd. We don't follow the shepherd. We try to go find some other pastures and we find ourselves there and we just lay down there and we begin to experience, well, not life more abundantly. Now, our eternity, we believe, is obviously guaranteed because uh, our salvation is not based on what I do. It's based on what Christ did and what Christ did was perfect. So therefore, I can't lose what he completed for me. Because if, if, I have to, if, if I have to keep it based off what I do, well, then how much do I have to do to keep it? Well, we, no, it, that whole system falls apart. My salvation is secure, but 
this experiencing of abundant life, there has to be some aspect where clearly Christians don't always experience it, and we need to confront ourselves to why we don't. We've got the idea of abiding in Christ, fellowship with Christ, right? Um, closeness, walking with him, abundant life. There seems to be an aspect of our Christian experience that is sometimes we can experience it differently based off certain conditions that we are find ourselves in spiritually. I think we become so preoccupied with the flesh, so preoccupied with things of this world, and then we actually don't experience the abundant life that is ours in Christ Jesus. It's there. Now, I want you to consider, I want you to ask some tough questions. I want you to meditate on this. I want you to think about this. Are you truly experiencing this abundant life? Are, can you truly, I'm not asking you to do the church answer. Yes, life is wonderful. And no, I'm talking deep down when no one's around, you're not sitting in the pew. Whew, man, my life is, I'm, I'm, I'm more abundant. It exceeds, it's not just existing Man, I'm experiencing something that all the people I know who are not saved, they're clearly not experiencing. And if you're not experiencing that, why not? We've, I think there's one possible answer. You're not saved. I think, that, I think we have to at least raise that as a possibility. But two, maybe there's something wrong in your spiritual existence. There's something wrong in your spiritual life. Now, I don't have the answers to fix it per se, but we got to at least address the issue. Now, can you think of some other passages of Scripture that may clarify what life and life more abundantly is referring to? I, I am not saying that it doesn't have a major focus on our eternity, because clearly it does. But the idea seems to imply something impacting our here and now as well. At least I think it does. All right, I'll stop there. All right, there's a lot more I could say, but I've already recorded for a very long time, okay? And so I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Um because I don't want to go too long. All right, there you have it. That that concludes our focus on John 10, 10. I will be doing this, this eat. Well, today we kind of started with a different focus. We've got the uh, the existence of evil, the problem of evil and uh, the existence of evil. I'll be posting that second sermon tonight, but I will also be posting any other sermons I can find maybe all day tomorrow. Um, if I find a number of sermons or discussions on John 10, 10, I will post them. Again, I'm not posting sermons that necessarily agree with what I've given you because I want you to hear different perspectives, but just getting you to really focus and meditate on John 10, 10 so that we can have a better understanding of it. There's already a number of sermons on John 10, 10 in the Sermon and Bible Study Notes section on the VBC 66 app. So please get the app. Please get the VBC 66 app and share it with 9,000 people, okay? I want, I want, I want, a hundred thousand subscribers in the next two hours. Yeah, Woo. yeah. Let, let's see if that can happen. All right, I'll stop there. John ten ten. Please send me your thoughts, Seth. Thank you for uh, sending your thoughts in the uh, VBC uh, uh, live chat. That was uh, great, uh, greatly appreciated. He asked a very interesting question. Um, that um, or an observation that I still got to unpack and try to see. Uh, I may try to work on that a little bit, but there's so much. Other, there's so many other things going on right now that I need to record on and talk about. So we'll see. Uh, there's all. I just I could record again 
10 hours a day and still couldn't cover all the things going on in our world. We got an Ebola crisis that's developing. We got situations developing with Iran. I mean, we've got world events happening to talk about. We've got crazy things going on with YouTube and and, and possible censorship. And, and uh, we just got a lot. And we got cr some crazy pastor preaching that, you know, L LGBTQ people should be executed. Well, what, how in the world did he come to that conclusion? And it does it demonstrate that he doesn't know doesn't know how to handle the text of Scripture? Do we need to go look at the text of Scripture he used and then do an entire message on how to properly understand that passage of Scripture? Right? Because you can't fix you can't fix a Christian's wrong philosophy if you don't first fix their wrong hermeneutics. Did you hear what I just said? You cannot fix Christians' wrong philosophy or their wrong thinking until you first fix their wrong hermeneutics, their wrong interpretive methods. You have to fix their interpretive methods so they don't use the Bible to support or come up with their wrong philosophy or their wrong way of thinking. Wrong Christian thinking, wrong Christian philosophy is a result of wrong hermeneutics. That's why I posted that sermon today, because I want you to determine what, what, what's wrong with it hermeneutically. All right? We'll be talking, uh, I'll be doing some recordings about that as well. All right, everyone have a great night. I hope this discussion about John 10.10 10 was somewhat helpful. I know I didn't really answer a lot of questions about the abundant life, more abundantly, because I'm still trying to figure it out. Because sometimes I think, yes, I'm experiencing life and life more abundantly. And to be honest with you, sometimes I think, you know what? I think my life looks just like the life of a lot of other people who are not Christians. So what, what needs to take place? All right, something to consider, and I'll be more than happy to hear your thoughts. All right, everyone have a great Thursday. The weekend is almost upon us, so you know what I'm going to say. Find a Bible-believing church on Sunday that teaches the Bible, takes the Bible seriously, teaches doctrine, teaches the theology, teaches church history. Find that kind of church and be there, all right? And if anyone is within 150 miles of, v of Victory Baptist Church in Ovalo, Texas, drive that 150 miles and come to Victory Baptist Church on Sunday, all right? I, I know that would be a long drive to church, 150 miles. Okay, maybe maybe anyone who's within 100 miles. Is that better? I don't know. Just, just find a good church wherever you are and uh, support it. That's the main thing. All right, everyone have a great night. God bless. Thank you.